Hi, everyone. Welcome. Uh, I'm Dr. Chris Barrett. And along with my co-host, Dot Weir, uh, I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us in our discussion of disposable, mechanically powered negative pressure wound therapy. Uh, as I said, I'm Dr. Chris Barrett. I am a podiatrist uh, for the last 30 years. But for the last 20 years, um, I have spent uh, all of my time in the outpatient wound clinic, hospital-based outpatient wound clinic, uh, first at a university hospital for, 12, for eight years, and then for the last 12 here at the Crozier Health System, which is uh, more of a community hospital outside of uh, Philadelphia. So really, I've worked on both sides of the aisle as both an administrator uh, for an outpatient department as well as a clinician. My disclosure. So this uh, program is provided by HMP Education LLC, which is an HMP global company. And it is supported by an educational grant from 3M Healthcare Medical Solutions Division. So these are the objectives. So the way this is gonna work with Dot and I, I am going to talk more about negative pressure wound therapy, uh, the benefits, the evidence, uh, why I think it's such an amazing uh, and valuable tool in your uh, wound care armamentarium, especially for chronic wounds, uh, for smaller wounds that don't drain as much. Okay, so this is, I, I want to kind of set up Dot. Uh, she's going to talk to you about our product today, our, our, our disposable negative pressure system. She's going to give you some more of her evidence kind of her, um, her direction and her case studies, but I wanna to talk to you about how negative pressure wound therapy works, what the evidence shows, why it's valuable, why it's underutilized, and how you can use this wonderful product, this wonderful disposable negative pressure wound therapy system in your outpatient practice or your office practice to get the same types of wonderful benefits that we've been getting with uh, traditional negative pressure wound therapy for the last uh, 20 some years, 25 years. So, and then we'll go over some case studies, uh, both of us. Uh, we both, Dot and I have been using this product for both of us for over 10 years. Uh, so this product was designed and developed with input from physicians. Uh, so it's addressing a need. And what I wanna show you is it, while it's been in existence for 10 plus years, it's just not being utilized to its fullest potential. And hopefully I can convince you that this is something you should be looking at uh, for your office or hospital outpatient wound care practice. So let's go into the hospital outpatient department. Okay, so how would you treat these wounds? Now, think about 20 some years ago, negative pressure wound therapy came into existence, the powered uh, traditional type that uh, we all kind of, uh, for many of us, uh, you know, kind of grew up in wound care on. Uh, so Again, that was kind of, I, I think, looking at that system designed for a lot of times more acute wounds, larger wounds, high exudate, um, more acute type of indications, patients in the hospital, okay? Uh, uh, really critical wounds, I'll say open abdomen, some really uh, nasty problems that uh, when we move to the hospital outpatient department, we see wounds like this, okay? Small wounds, maybe not a lot of exudate, okay? So I would ask the question if I could see everybody out in the audience and say, how would you treat these wounds? There's a lot of options, right? How many would choose negative pressure wound therapy? That's my question. Do you see a value here for negative pressure wound therapy? I'm going to say, uh, and hopefully, and I'll show, you know, the, 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 both of these case studies will, I'll, I'll include in my discussion is these are perfect wounds for a specific type of negative pressure wound therapy. I think we kind of can look at these wounds and say, do we really need you know, a 300 cc canister for exudate, obviously not. Do we need a, a bulky system, a powered system to get the same benefits that you can get from a disposable system, okay? And this is why, this, these are the types of wounds uh, that I, are ideal for a disposable system. And this is why the disposable system we're gonna talk about today was designed for these types of wounds. The problem is you need to choose it for these types of wounds. And I think what the evidence shows is that we're not doing that. And I, 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 I kind of, love to have a discussion on why is that the case? I know there's some barriers and this is a perfect example. So what are the barriers? Now I'm just picking this study because it was just recent in uh, just a couple of months ago. And this is looking at home healthcare use of this disposable negative pressure wound therapy. Now, I believe it was in 2017 that CMS Medicare approved 
this disposable negative pressure wound therapy to be used by home care. And it was, it was such a, 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 a tremendous advantage for home care and for us in outpatient wound care and office-based wound care because we should be able to refer our patients to home care to get this type of therapy if that's what we wanna use. Okay, originally this, this system was used in the outpatient clinic and patients would come in two or three times a week and we would change the dressing. Well, now we can send home, these patients to home care and have them utilize it. And they have, there's a financial advantage to them that they haven't really realized, but this is kind of the evidence when I say nobody's choosing disposable negative pressure. And in fact, if we look at home care data, and this is looking at, uh, it was retrospective data for this study from 2016 to 2019, but I'm, I just picked 2019. Uh, this is the last year they looked at because it, it was just, it was a shock to me when I saw this article. Um, and actually I, I did a, a kind of a podcast um, and discussed this with the author. Um, it, it was just kind of disappointing for me because they looked at the codes, both traditional and disposable negative pressure wound therapy. And what they found just in 2019 is only 1% of all U.S. home healthcare episodes in 2019 was any type of negative pressure wound therapy, 1%. And of that measly 1%, 99%, so the vast majority was traditional negative pressure and only a half of a percent, uh, one small sliver, in fact, only 308 total episodes in all of 2019 in home care was for disposable negative pressure wound therapy. And, and why is that? What, you know, why, for a system that, that was built to address a need and has been ex in existence for over 10 years, why is nobody using disposable negative pressure? It was designed for outpatient care, for home care, for office-based care, for the hospital department. Yes, they're barriers. We know they're there. Uh, insurance coverage. Uh, I think a lot of it is physicians just don't um, it, advanced wound dressings are so easy, right? And I think sometimes we kind of take the easy way out. And there's been plenty of studies to demonstrate that with, with compression therapy and total contact casting. We kind of, I think, sometimes choose the easier uh, avenue. And yes, this might take a little bit more time than, say, a standard dressing, oftentimes not, but um, there are barriers. But, but what I don't understand is why we don't want to take, care, take advantage of, of, of these benefits. This is, negative, this is traditional negative pressure wound therapy when it came into existence. These are the benefits you get from this type of system, this type of intervention. And again, we talk about macro strain and micro strain. These terms have been out there for, for, for years and years and years, but look at all of these benefits. What other advanced wound dressing, what other intervention exists in wound care that can do all of these? Often at the same time, all of these benefits, I'll answer that question. There is no other intervention. I just can't think of anything else that, that provides these benefits. But I mean, in fact, this picture is old. This is this thought, okay, this talk of microstrain and, and cell stretch and you know VEGF release, all these wonderful things. You know, that's in the that's in the past. What we're looking at now, what we're discovering now is that negative pressure wound therapy influences what we call DNA methylation and gene expression. So we're we're now recognizing that negative pressure wound therapy actually affects the expression of genes, okay? And protein release, proteomics, which is uh, changes in protein, uh, changes in the cellular proteins after negative pressure wound therapy. I mean, that's how advanced we are in looking at negative pressure wound therapy. There's so much more we have to learn, but 25 years after its introduction, we're still learning about how amazing this, this intervention is. Yet, as you saw in home care, 1% of all usage is negative pressure wound therapy. I don't understand when you have the, really the, one of the best ways of treating wounds and it's just not being utilized. Now, this is showing you the benefits, the mechanisms of action that we can talk about for disposable negative pressure wound therapy. You see our little uh, mechanical canister, our spring canister. So you, you kind of look at this and say, well, there's a lot missing. Well, understand that the, all of the studies demonstrating all of those benefits for negative pressure wound therapy were done on the powered system, right? So there aren't studies that can demonstrate that I can't, I can't state because our, our sponsor can't state that this is what this system does because they haven't done the studies. Dot's going to show you a, a study done comparing traditional negative pressure with this disposable system showing that, that the healing benefits, the rates of healing were very equal. Okay, so this is still... 100% negative pressure wound therapy using uh, a reticulated foam uh, wound interface, okay, and a remote canister and providing negative pressure wound therapy. So to me that there, and, and hopefully when you see our case studies, you will recognize that all of those benefits that you saw with the traditional system are at play here. But this is what I can show you. And this is fine because 
let's focus on these two areas. So when you think about a chronic wound, okay, the type of wound you see in a hospital outpatient and ambulatory department, what are the two areas, the two, the two barriers that we really have to focus on? Okay, I'm not saying we don't need perfusion and, and granulation tissue. And as you'll see in my case studies, you get them. But what I can say here is, if this is all we can talk about, this is all I can show you, these two areas, removing infectious material, okay, in chronic wound care, what's the, 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 the really the, the big barrier is wound microorganisms, okay, wound biofilm, okay, and I'll, I'm, again, I'm going to talk more about that, but dealing with infectious material in the wound, in a chronic wound, and exudate, so you know chronic wound exudate is really toxic to wound healing. If they've done studies where they took cell cultures, live cell cultures, living cell cultures, put them in both acute and chronic wound fluid, and they found that when they took these living cells and put them in chronic wound fluid, they had senescence of these cells. There was, the, there was no action, no, no replication, no signaling. Okay, nothing happened in the chronic wound fluid, but that did happen in acute wound fluid. So, you know, chronic wounds are really a, a challenging and unique subset of wounds, okay? So they present unique challenges, okay? And this is, these are probably two of the, and certainly removing infectious material is really the primary, uh, to me, primary barrier. And there's so much good you can get out of using negative pressure wound therapy to affect infectious material. And I'm gonna show you this evidence and hopefully you realize you understand that, you know, negative pressure wound therapy for chronic wounds is, a, is just a, a perfect marriage, a really great fit. So here's a comparison. So I'm not saying that every patient uh, is going to be a candidate for disposable negative pressure wound therapy or negative pressure wound therapy at all. But if we compare advanced wound dressings, which certainly are, 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 are the go-to, really the, 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 the staple for you know, treating chronic wounds, whether inpatient, outpatient, but look how, let's compare the benefits you get. Remember I showed you all those benefits of negative pressure wound therapy, all those wonderful things. So here's a patient of mine, just give you an example. This is a diabetic, had a, a hallux amputation after an infection, he had some revascularization. So he has this large deep wound, okay? And I'm seeing this patient referred for hyperbaric therapy because that's one of my, my, my areas that I, I take care of patients in that area as well as their chronic wounds. So this is just showing you, I'm using, uh, if, if you can see the patient's skin on the bottom right picture, it's, it was very, that verrucous, uh, xerotic skin. I was having a difficult time with, um, you know, attaching adhesive to this wound. So I'm using an advanced wound dressing. And you can see, uh, this is a wound 24 hours after putting a hydrofiber on the left and a gelling fiber on the right, just kind of showing you both types of, of uh, fiber dressings, right? And even after I had placed a foam dressing over, so I had placed really two good advanced dressings together. And this is only 24 hours later, you can see they're both saturated. Now, the dressing, I, I removed it from the wound and took a picture. It did its job, right? It gelled, it, 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 it kind of absorbed as much exudate, chronic exudate as it could. But what happens when that dressing can't absorb anymore? Okay, now these dressings are ideal for maintaining a moist wound environment, right? And that's, that's important, but at some point we, we, we can't handle any more fluid. And this is 24 hours, so the, the, this is kind of a, a daily dressing. And this is what happens. When, when you look at the wound, you remove the, the, the gelling fiber or the hydrofiber, and you've got this kind of mucky, you know, fibrinous, uh, dull granulation tissue, just not what, not what I'm, I really want to see, okay? Very mild progress day after day after day, just not, not getting where I need to go. So this is, this is why I'm going to show you this picture. And then at this point, I decided I have to get negative pressure wound therapy on this gentleman. This is a very deep wound, a, a centimeter and a half to two centimeters. It's kind of hard to see on this picture, but deep wound, high volume, and a diabetic, time is the enemy. We need to get this wound granulating. We need to get this wound healed as quickly as possible. So what I had to do was, since I couldn't adhere the drape, the polyurethane drape to this poor skin, and you can see that even with cleansing and, and I was kind of doing everything I could, I used a clamshell. So there's, there's, there's the clamshell dressing, right? So I just included the whole foot and then I went farther back on the forefoot, back to the midfoot. So I had good skin uh, quality and I got a nice seal. And this is two day, two weeks later. I mean, look at the difference. This is that same patient kind of, I, I debrided the wound on the left right after I took out the AWD, got it bleeding, got it healthy, and then added negative pressure wound therapy. And look what you get in, in, in two weeks. Okay. This is, there's no comparison. Okay. I, I you know, there's no substitute for the benefits of negative pressure wound therapy for advancing the trajectory of wound care, of wound healing.
Okay, so kind of that's my, my why would you not want to take this, this wonderful therapy, negative pressure wound therapy, you have it available to you in a disposable device, okay, and I would have used it in this case, but unfortunately, uh, this gentleman's insurance didn't cover it, but this is a perfect candidate for that type of therapy, why would you not take advantage of it, okay, and, and clearly we're not, okay, so what do we call that, going from left to right, there's a term for that, taking a wound from that, like that, and turning it into that, that's called wound bed preparation, right? It's a, it's a I, I call it a lasting concept because this concept was introduced decades ago by plastic surgeons who used the idea of a systematic way of addressing barriers in, in the wound to get a clean, healthy, well-perfused wound bed. Because uh, why? Because if they're gonna place a skin graft, you need a well-perfused, clean, healthy wound bed for the best take for the skin graft to heal, okay? So that, that, that was the, the idea behind wound bed preparation. In fact, I, I included this picture because this is using disposable negative pressure wound therapy, the device we're gonna to talk to about today. I added that, I was asked to see this patient. That was my recommendation. Look at that dry desiccated wound. And literally 13 days, this is what I had at the bottom. Okay, so again, there's just no substitute for how negative pressure wound therapy moves trajectory, gets wounds healed faster, better quality, because once you reach wound bed preparation, you now have a way of closing the wound. You have, you have multiple options to close that wound now, okay? But, but you have to get there. And the, I, to me, the fastest, the best, best way to do that with good quality tissue is with negative pressure wound therapy. And that idea of wound bed preparation was brought to wound care in 2003. So in 2003, this was published, some of the, the best minds in wound care uh, we're meeting in Europe and, and they got to talk about this, I, this concept of wound bed preparation. And what they did was they addressed the barriers. So let's, let's name the barriers and develop a tool that wound care providers can use across the continuum. Okay, this is not just for docs. This is for anybody treating chronic wounds or anybody treating wounds can use this, this tool, uh, this algorithm to help them make decisions on looking at barriers, addressing the barriers, finding the barriers, being able to, to, to address them properly with a guideline. Uh, and this, this tool has been in existence now for 23 years. Okay, so we're going on 23 years. And over the years, it's been uh, discussed and modified. And, and, and again, discussed, and is it still relevant? It still exists today. And let's, we kind of look at, this is what it came out with in 2003, they called it time. Okay, so they addressed the barriers, the four barriers being non-viable tissue, infection, inflammation, moisture imbalance, and the edge of the wound that's not migrating. So T-I-M-E, this is not new. This is 23 years old, this concept. Okay, but it's been updated. So in 2019, they kind of changed it a bit. At least these authors kind of, you know, brought in the idea of timers because now we should be talking about regenerative medicine, right? That's kind of what's happening in, in the 2020s and, and, and then social factors, okay? This is kind of the, to me, uh, and let's look at another update, which came out the same year. Uh, and I mentioned this because also Dot Weir, my, uh, my co-presenter uh, today, she uh, was part of this, uh, um, this group in looking at the concept of time and updating it to address um, you know, the patient and what exists today in, in wound care. Um, and, and what they really kind of focus on now, as you can see, is it's not so much the wound focus on time, okay, but Let's look at A, B, and C. And this is, this is the clinical decision support tool. Uh, this is just one uh, uh, version, but the timers concept also looked at social factors. We have to address the patient. So first we have to do A, assess the patient, get the right diagnosis, assess their well-being, bring in a team if needed, and control underlying causes and barriers, right? So A, B, C, then we can focus on D, which is the wound, and that's time. And let's see where time the, the traditional algorithm of time, how does negative pressure wound therapy fit into this, this concept of wound bed preparation? I think I've already shown you it fits in perfectly, but we can look at each area. So in infection and inflammation, we talked about how controlling the microbiome, uh, the microorganisms in the wound is so important for a chronic wound. And we can certainly do that very well with negative pressure wound therapy. We know that it, it works very, very well with moisture balance, and that's getting you know, chronic wound exudate, whether it's a small amount or a large amount, removing it to a remote canister or a remote location to me just works so much better than an advanced wound dressing. And you saw an example of that. And then the edge of the wound. So if you have undermining or, or a pibbly or, or tunneling, fix it aggressively, surgically if needed, using tissues, using grafts, and then using negative pressure wound therapy, whether it's to, for granulation, whether it's for bolstering, uh, that's the way you get 
you get that beautiful wound edge that attaches to the wound bed and you get that pearly pink uh, reepithelialization. That's the goal. That's what we're looking for. So you can see that negative pressure wound therapy fits perfectly with this, this time concept. But before we do any of this, don't forget about the most important part, <laughs> you have to address the, the wound bed, okay, and the tissue in the wound bed, and that's that's debridement. The importance of debridement. This was just I love real world data. This is looking at 312,000 wounds from 525 wound care centers. I mean, you can't get a bigger end number than this over a four year period. And what they showed was that the frequency of debridement and how it affects healing rates. And in this case, looking at diabetic foot ulcers, the the you know certainly one of the most common wounds we see, and and certainly a very uh, uh, you know, these patients die from these wounds. So getting them closed quickly is so important. If you debrided a wound weekly, you, you see 21 days to heal. That's to me, you know, that's killing it. That is fantastic versus let's just say you take an extra week every other week. It took over twice as long for these wounds to heal. And every time you added a, 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 a spatial time between your debridements, it took the healing time kept getting longer and longer. Okay. Time is money, but for a diabetic time is tissue. It's a limb. It's a life. Okay. But why do you think there was such a difference? Well, I already mentioned it. It has to do with the wound uh, microorganisms. It's wound biofilm. Cause we know that roughly 80%, and in fact, it's likely higher, but 80% of chronic wounds, the studies have shown are affected by wound biofilm versus only 6% for acute wounds. And wound biofilm is a hot button topic. You know, that all the, the dressing manufacturers, everybody's you know, coming up with ways to affect biofilm. And we know that one of the primary ways of doing that is debridement, okay? Because debridement disrupts that EPS, that, that, that protective uh, covering or coating that the bacteria use to protect themselves from our interventions, our topical interventions, which can't penetrate. You have to disrupt it, expose the bacteria. That's a window of opportunity for your interventions to work. And one intervention that I think is again, so effective at dealing with this is negative pressure wound therapy. So let's, I'm just going to pick a study. This, I, I'm not trying to say that this one study proves that negative pressure wound therapy is the go-to, but in my opinion, when you disrupt the biofilm and you open up that window of opportunity, which is only open for two to three days before the biofilm reforms and be, becomes mature again, you have this opportunity placing reticulated foam in the wound bed under negative pressure. And this study showed that when they change the dressing frequently and then allow it to sit for a long time, they actually are able to control the reformation of biofilm. And I think I see that in my own practice and that using negative pressure, again, with debridement, with antiseptics, okay, is, as a treatment regimen, I get better outcomes because I think we're not allowing biofilm to reform because we're doing it more often. We're, we're debriding more often and we're using negative pressure wound therapy in a disposable form more, more often. And again, this is what I'm talking about. This is what you're doing with your chronic wounds. You're addressing this area, which is so important in chronic wounds. And again, when you bring debridement together with negative pressure wound therapy, it's all about healing trajectory and how fast your wound can close. In this case, when they surgically debrided a wound and added negative pressure wound therapy, Within two to three weeks, 25% of the patients had at least 75% reduction in wound area. That's that's tremendous. Okay. Half had more than 50%. Okay. What is the significance when I throw these numbers around? Well, this study, Dr. Peter Sheehan in 2003, his, his kind of landmark study talking about wound trajectory and how important it is for a diabetic foot ulcer, the target, okay, and Dr. Uh, Snyder, Dr. Robert Snyder also did two studies himself that validated Dr. Sheehan's study and showed that. If we look at patients, we look at our, our four-week healing rate. This is really the target we're looking for. So there's our trajectory span, four weeks. Dr. Sheehan showed and Dr. Uh, Snyder showed that 50% is our target. So he showed in his study that if he reached 50 to 53% percent area reduction of the wound at four weeks, 58% of those patients in his study, okay, and Dr. Snyder had similar results, 58% went on to heal by the end of the study at week 12. But if they didn't hit that target of 50% or 53%, only 9% were healed at 12 weeks. So 58% versus 9%, hugely significant change in trajectory. Okay, so we need to have a trajectory. We need to see our wound trajectory changing, not at week four, but at week one. You have to see a progressive change in your wound area to know that your interventions are working. But we use four weeks as our kind of, as our, as our surrogate, that, that's our target, okay? That's what we're gonna, we're gonna, but you have to see that change visually. And you know that as you're watching your, your interventions in the first few days, if that wound isn't changing, 
you better start thinking of something else because you've missed something. But look at this. In this study, in Dr. Sheehan's study, the patients who went on to heal at 12 weeks, 82% change in wound area at week four. Okay, so they had a huge change in trajectory in those four weeks, 82%. Only 25% change in the non-healers. So if you don't see that big change, okay, in those four weeks, uh, it's very unlikely your wound's going to be healed at three months. And I just told you with a diabetic, that's bad news. Okay, so let's, let's just... Let me, I just gave you that evidence, that kind of rationale, wound bed preparation. How does this work in real practice? Let's just run through some ideas. Here's a, a, an 82 year old male, um, came, he's an elderly gentleman, he had an Achilles wound. One of my docs, one of my MDs placed a split, a skin graft. Um, and he came back, he came into the clinic four days later, um, right after getting the skin graft. And he had disrupted it while he was sleeping in bed. And uh, this is what he came in with. Okay, so this is prior to the skin graft. We debrided it, nice, healthy wound bed. And this is the skin graft. He comes to me. This is right after the skin graft's placed. That wound is, that skin graft is completely mobile. So what happens if it doesn't take uh, in the next day or two? Okay, because really you want to see that, that take in the first three to four days. Um, that, feel, that graft is going to fail. So what option did I have? In the clinic, on my shelf, I had disposable negative pressure as a bolster. So I placed one single dressing using the secure ring and Dot will talk about that. This is five days later, okay? I had him come back to see the doc. We take off the, 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 the negative pressure and you have 100% take, skin healed, done, okay? That's the advantage of having this system right on your shelf and be able to use it when you need. Here's another cool, I got a uh, call from a, a hand surgeon. Uh, he had done a Tino suspension that got became infected and failed. He did a second Tino suspension on this elderly patient. That became infected. He went back and redid it. Kind of out of luck here. He had a small deep wound. He said, do you have anything you can, you know, any magic for a small deep wound? And this is what it looked like. So I had the patient come in on a Monday, uh, took a look at it. Um, if you're asking, how do I treat this patient? I work with my MD. So, um, you know, I, I did all the dressings and this was my idea. So this is what it looked like. And this patient had a spike abrasive. So what I did here, because it's a small wound, I did a bit of a window modification. So I used some, some of the extra hydrocolloid plus uh, I cut an aperture in that then placed a small piece of foam in the wound covered by a larger piece. And again, you can localize and modify this dressing to fit right on the area you need. There's the spike abrase incorporated with the canister. Okay, with the suction canister attached. Again, I can modify all this. And this was literally three dressings. 10 days later comes back complete granulation healing. Patient came back a week later, got a little bit of wetness, a uh, little bit of maceration, but came back a week later with some uh, topical wound care completely healed. Okay. So literally in, in less than two weeks. And again, that's trajectory. Uh, this is a 22 year old kid who had a rotational flap closure of recurrent pilonidal. So they, the, the, the surgeon did a rotational flap to close one of the recalcitrant cysts. And then the patient had a small wound and the doctor for three months couldn't do anything with it, just said, uh, just keep it dressed and don't come back. I'm done. I, there's nothing more I can do. So this poor kid comes to me um, and, and our, our team. And so I said, this is a tiny wound, but, and it had two and a half centimeter sinus tract, perfect wound to close with negative pressure. I know you wouldn't think of that, but really it's ideal. So you, you, you cut the sponge two and a half centimeters, back it off a little bit. So you have a little tail. And then this is two different ways. I'm just showing you kind of with the, with the window modification, no window, but you know, here you have a perfect location. As soon as you let glute, the, the gluteal, the, the, the buttocks, boom, it closes the wound down. You get a great seal. Uh, this was literally seven days later. He went from two and a half to half a centimeter in depth, uh, 11 days, 0.3, almost closed, 15 days of negative pressure. I mean, you just can't beat that. Three months down to 15 days. And this was after 27 days completely healed after being open three months. Another gentleman, this is a guy, a uh, 58-year-old guy working in a, uh, an HVAC, uh, his role in a Boeing helicopter plant. So uh, he was bitten on the arm, or at least he thought he was. He stuck his arm up into a drop ceiling area, felt a pinch. And when he came to us, he had this kind of, you know, uh, almost looked like a, a, a zit that was ready to be popped. Now, I saw him in the, in the hyperbaric clinic because there's some anecdotal evidence that you can use hyperbaric for venom. So this is what I saw. And then I had the doctor come in. I asked, I asked my MD, I said, listen, I think this needs to be opened. And this is what we did. We opened up the wound first day of hyperbaric. And all you saw was a void, not pus, but this was just toxin destroying tissue. Okay, so we had this deep wound. I packed it for a week with a, with a silver alginate to, to clean up some of the bacteria. And then I went right to negative pressure. 
Okay, and again, this is how you can use this. I customize it. I use some, uh, some compression bandage, two layers to put the canister in between. So he had full mobility of his arm, went back to work, never missed a day of work, uh, no disability. And this was three dressings. Again, 10 days later, look how fast you can advance healing with negative pressure. But this is using a, a, a disposable device that gives you that opportunity. Three weeks later, he was so far along, we could stop that. And listen, five weeks, just 18 hyperbaric treatments and five weeks of wound care completely closed. Uh, last case, this is a 47-year-old female. So for one month, she was getting local care, just not really making much progress. And this is a type 2 diabetic with end-stage renal disease, tough patient, good arterial flow, thankfully, but she's on a transplant list, so she needs wound healing. This is what it looked like when she first came to the clinic. This is when I saw it after a month, and I said, this is an ideal wound for negative pressure wound therapy. We bring, you know, again, get that, that perfusion, get just, again, moving fluid through that area will release some of that fibrin. Would, would that be your choice? It's just, it's an ideal wound. This is a three-minute dressing application Okay, and look at this five, 18 days later, we have this beautiful wound bed preparation. Okay, that's it, that's what you want. Now we can close this. What's my choice? I chose epidermal harvesting. So again, look at, this is, this is applying the, the, this is eight days after putting on some epidermal skin from, from the patient using uh, the, the, the uh, harvesting device. This is 15 days after harvesting her cells. And this is 49 days from when I chose negative pressure, disposable negative pressure. There's just no substitute. So again, you know, these were my cases. Dot will show you her. She's going to kind of take over here and give you a little bit more information on the device itself. But again, think about the benefits you get from MPW2. They don't stop after the patient leaves the hospital. It's an ideal intervention to move trajectory and address chronic wounds. Okay, so again, um, thank you for, uh, for joining me and I'll pass it off to Dot. Hello. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, nice to be on a virtual podium with you again. Um, welcome everyone and thanks for joining me. My name is Dot Weir. I am the other faculty with Chris. I practice at the Saratoga Hospital Center for Wound Healing and Hyperbaric Medicine in beautiful Saratoga Springs, New York. I'm a longtime nurse, a longtime wound care nurse for like 42 years. So uh, it's my pleasure to present to you today. I am, uh, this is my disclosure. And let's dive in. So, you know, and I work in outpatient, so I, I have to set that stage. Uh, I have for 21 years, I've been in outpatient clinics. And we see a lot of the end result of, of, of folks who have been on a long journey. And, you know, when anybody has anything happen to them, either a surgery or they don't start out their day knowing by the end of the day, they're going to have some sort of an injury. So it's a really daunting journey for these folks as they face uh, what it takes to be able to get these wounds to close. And so when uh, we've, we've been using negative pressure since 1995 and uh, the portable negative pressure when it was first launched in the earlier 2000s was such an improvement for our patients because it made a big difference in their, uh, our ability to deliver negative pressure to a wound bed in an outpatient ambulatory person. And this was one of the very, very early iterations of that. And it was a fellow with a diabetic foot, um, a di who had diabetes and he had an ulcer on the top of his foot, but he worked as a security guard. And so not working was not an option for him. And so being able to use something that was portable enabled him to continue to work until we got that wound filled in better. We were able to switch him to collagen and he went ahead and went on to completely close. Similarly here, these are two, and this was an interesting couple of guys. They were both, I, I used to practice in Florida. They were both um, Orange County sheriff's deputies who had been injured on the job. One was a dog bite and one was a, a, an injury um, on a dock and um, ended up with their negative pressure at the same time. But what was more important is that right about this time, there were some hurricanes coming through Florida and they had to be taken off of workers' comp and redeployed, not so much into the field, but uh, just to do some guarding and stuff of some properties. So uh, the negative, the portable enabled them to do that. 
But then, you know, when you look at our outpatient population, but not just outpatient, when you look at people that are in rehab, uh, people need to go on. They need to be able to be mobile. They need to be able to get their rehab, perhaps, and therapy, learning to walk again and not have, you know, four pounds or something uh, hanging on their shoulder. And so, and the redundant tubing sometimes can be a fall risk. And so when we have a, and and some of you may know, sometimes they make a little bit of noise. And so... um, uh, it, it can be a sleep disturbance. And then um, the reason I have the Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse down in the corner is when I was in Florida, uh, we were the closest wound center to Walt Disney World. And Walt Disney World is pretty strict when it comes to uh, what the public, what your guests can see on their cast members. And so wearing a negative pressure device on their shoulder was not an option. So anyway, we needed something else. And so we needed something too that would be able to enhance their quality of life. So Chris already talked to you about mechanically powered negative pressure wound therapy, the mechanism of action. And so one of the things, and I was involved in the original trials back in 2010. And one of the things that came out of that trial is that uh, we did these exit surveys looking at quality of life. And um, when you compare the quality of life scores with those that were using a powered system, they found that patients were much more accepting, there was less noise, didn't disrupt their social activities, their sleep, or their activities of daily living. And it's really simple. They are really simple to, to apply. And so that, again, impacts our outpatient department patients. And so when I look at mechanically powered negative pressure wind therapy, I realize that it helps us to meet multiple needs. And I'm going to go through some of those needs with you via case studies. So first is a need for service recovery, a need to keep patients happy when things don't go well. This was a really old case. And this was a patient who was 42. What, what happened in our hospitals, we had sort of a run on, and I won't tell you what hospital it was, on sternal wounds uh, related to heart surgery. And so um, they would, uh, the surgeons, they would get an infection, but what they would do is they would treat the infection, but they would still want the wound to stay closed while the sternum knitted together. And then they would go back later and take out the, uh, the sternal wires. So this was one such patient. He was a morbidly obese fella, did have diabetes. Um, so we, uh, he used regular powered negative pressure and we got him down to that little tiny hole that you see up there at the top. And then um, the day he went back to surgery and they took out the sternal wires, he had the wound that you see at the bottom. And so because he was on Florida Medicaid, he did that, didn't cover the powered system. Uh, we were using the patient assistance program for the powered system. And then we, we, he had stopped it and then we had to get it again. So we were in that period of time waiting for the approval for the patient assistance. So we said, okay, well, we've got an option for you. So the very day he had his surgery, we put on the, uh, the mechanically powered. Now, back then, it was, a, it was a gauze dressing as an interface. And this is the really old color. This tells you how far I go back with this. And so he had five weeks of, of um, negative pressure with the, with the uh, mechanically powered. And then once it was completely filled in, we used collagen and he went on to close completely at eight weeks. The funny thing about this story though, is that, as I said, we had several patients that were dealing with these sternal um, uh, wounds. And so he was out in our waiting room and this lady walked in and she had her power system on her shoulder. And he said, I used to have to have that, but they let me have this. So of course she comes back and she says, I want what he has. So uh, again, and we, and we of course let her use it. So then the other thing, if you think about these folks who have open heart surgery, uh, of course, once the wound is down to a size that is, uh, is manageable with a, a 60 CC cartridge, um, you know, a small woman carrying something on her shoulder when they have the sternal wound um, can be difficult. So if they have an open sternal wound that's not draining a lot, uh, it's an an ideal solution. Then we have the need for mobility. This was a very cool guy, 70 years old, smoked like a chimney, I hate to say, but he had had an outpatient surgery. His IV had infiltrated in his hand 
And they told him to go home and put a moist soak on it. Well, what he did was he went to the drugstore and bought one of those things that you sort of break and then put it on your back for pain. And it burned the heck out of his hand. Uh, and whatever had extravasated into his hand, it just made the damage to his tissue that much worse. And so this was his first visit to us at the top. And you can see now he has some necrotic material there. But we're dealing with a lot of nerves and a lot of tendons, and we needed him to be able to always use his hand. One reason is because his only form of transportation was a motorcycle. So anyway, on this particular visit, we did some ultrasound debridement. And the bottom picture, you can see it's much cleaner. You can see it's undermined all the way around. And so uh, instead of using a powered system, because we did not expect to have a lot of drainage, we used the mechanically powered. So we put a, um, a contact layer down first, um, he had a very hairy arm. So even though we were clipping that, we put that piece of hydrocholine there just, just uh, to cover that hair. And so what you saw from that video is that he had complete mobility. We um, put some, just some film dressing around the edge, complete mobility with his hand, and he was able to ride his motorcycle. So this is at day 10. You can see day 14, all of the undermining is closed. And then three weeks later, he went on to, uh, to close. Now, this is the, again, uh, one of the earlier iterations of the system. Now we don't have to have all this redundant tubing. You, we, you can trim the tubing to the length that you need it. Uh, our patients get straps to hold it onto their arm or to their leg. And what we do is we give them two straps. So it's a completely closed system. So they can walk right into a shower with it on and uh, just come out of the shower, take off the wet strap, put a dry one on, and they are on their way. And so uh, again, it really again leads us to why it's so good for their quality of life. And then we have the need for cost effectiveness. This was a 21-year-old lady who was married, had two small children, but no health insurance. She developed a severe necrotizing infection after she had had a tummy tuck down in the Dominican Republic. So she came back up towards Florida, stopped in Miami to be stabilized because she felt very ill. And then she came on home to our area. And so because she had had cosmetic surgery, um, she didn't have any insurance. She didn't qualify for, uh, for any kind of patient assistance program, either from home care or from, you know, the company for negative pressure with therapy. Um, and it was our hospital, you know, it was in their best interest to get her out of the hospital. So we had shown the, the mechanically powered system to our discharge planners in a meeting. And so they called us to see if we could go ahead and get her out of the hospital. And so um, this is how we had it on her. Uh, she followed up with us in the wound center. And then in one month, four weeks, day, four weeks time, you can see she had completely filled in that wound, requiring fewer dressing changes. We were able to continue to see her as an outpatient until she completely closed. And so it's ideal. You're delivering negative pressure wound therapy underneath an advanced dressing and uh, very, very mobile. So we didn't have her children, uh, small children exposed to dressings in the home. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to get her dressings anyway, uh, but the hospital supported this and paid for this therapy so we could get her closed. And then there's the need to be social. Um, you know, our patients are so wonderful. I keep saying this, this is the greatest little man. 77 years old, you can see he has this significant past medical history, but he had gone into the hospital after a syncope episode. And he had an extended hospital stay. And so unfortunately he had an, a pressure injury um, at, on his sacral area after, um, uh, after the surge, after he was in the hospital, he did not have uh, osteo, but he ended up with sort of a big abscess in that area. So he was on IV antibiotics for a while. And initially they were treating, we were treating him with collagenase. This was his first um, visit to us. We used an ultrasonic debriding device to get the wound as clean as we could in one sitting, started the collagenase and moist gauze. And then one on uh, day 16, he was pretty clean. That's just some not so healthy fat that you see under there. And we started the powered negative pressure wound therapy. And he did very well. So this is at day 23, it's getting smaller. So by about a month in, he's like, I am socially challenged. 
he requested to have the negative pressure power system taken off because he was he was very active with the like a veterans of foreign war some kind of social club that's related to the military but in any event he um has a girlfriend he's he made a joke that he couldn't go to the spaghetti dinner when he had a tubing that looked like it had spaghetti sauce coming through it so i discussed with him the alternative of using the mechanically powered did not know if it was going to really work in this particular area, but he is agreeable to try it. So this is it in place. You can see that it. Uh, this is a bridge dressing because the port in these dressings is right here in the middle of the dressing. So we didn't want him laying or sitting on that. So we used the bridge dressing and then another month, a little over a month later, he was you know, down to something very small that we were able to manage just with dressings. And then we have the desire or the need, but this in this case, the desire to work. This is a 62 year old fella who had had uh, not too much in terms of a, a past medical history, but he did have diabetes. He works in an appliance store and he was taking a, a dishwasher off of a forklift or doing something with a forklift and the dishwasher fell forward, careening down his anterior tibia area on his leg. And so he developed a hematoma, went to the emergency department, um, they had just told him to use antibiotic ointment until he could get into the wound center. So we got him in pretty quickly. So this was his initial visit, uh, evacuated the hematoma. You can see the wound that's left over. And um, it's, def oops, it's definitely something that uh, we thought negative pressure would be good for. And so he was workers comp. However, they didn't quite do all the paperwork just right. So it took us a while to get all that done and get him approved for the powered system. So he came back in four days. You can see the wound doesn't look bad, but you can see this buildup of the coagulum that's on there. And finally, at about two weeks, day 15, we were able to start the negative pressure wound therapy. And we were also compressing him with a two layer wrap. So at day 25, uh, he said, I really want to go back to work and they won't let me come back if I have this thing that I'm carrying on my shoulder. And so we switched him over at this point to the mechanically powered option. So this is it in place. And again, I gave him two straps and he could just walk right into the shower and walk right out with it in place. So then at day 36, you can see he's nicely granulated. By day 45, he's even a little hypergranulated. Uh, and oh, and by the way, they would not let him come back to work at that point in time anyway. But he, uh, by day 45, he was cleared to go back to work from his company standpoint. We began a collagen dressing covered with the foam. And, and four weeks later, he was completely epithelialized and he was discharged. Then there's the need to manage exudate. This is, these are two back-to-back -back interesting cases. This is a 71-year-old guy who had, known venous insufficiency, but he, the, and, and we were treating it with uh, dressings and a two-layer wrap, but what that top arrow was showing you is that he had this area where he had had a fempop bypass, and uh, it, that was a tiny little wound that you can see down at the bottom, and it was draining like a sieve. If you kind of look at his legs, he does have some lymphedema, and so it was draining like crazy uh, in terms of keeping up with dressings, and so we were, uh, wrapping and treating his lower extremity ulcer, but we started the negative uh, mechanically powered negative pressure on that thigh wound. And uh, in three dressing changes over six days time, the first day, three days in, and then and one more, um, then it, the drainage just stopped. It slowed down to where we could just handle, uh, use regular dressings, and he wasn't having to be soaked every single, uh, every single day. And this is a similar, uh, you know, so it's, it's probably lymphatic drainage. We were 100% we're sure it was lymphatic drainage. This lady had had a lipoma uh, removed from the left side of her neck, uh, sort of on her, uh, and right on her shoulder there. And she also had a lymph leak. So uh, what we did was we put a little piece of the foam in there. You can see we protected the skin, used the mechanically powered in two weeks time. And she had four dressing changes. The depth went from two and a half centimeters to 0.6 and her exudate went from copious to minimal. So it gave us a little period of time where we could manage that exudate. They weren't drenched. And then I don't know, I don't think the suction does anything that stopped that lymphorrhea. Uh, but in these two cases, it really helped with our management. 
And then we have a need for independence. This is a lady who moved to our area. You can see her past medical history. She had great flow, but she had multiple sclerosis and she had been independent for years. She um, uh, was moving to our area to be near her daughter, <clears throat> was moving into a, um, a, an independent living facility here. And so she, while she was moving, she dropped a box on her leg. So this was a traumatic injury. Uh, the daughter uh, showed us the original photos. It clearly had been a hematoma at that time. You can see the original measurements, uh, the initial ones. She had three and a half centimeters of undermining from eight o'clock to one o'clock. So pretty significant undermining. And so our initial management was to use a PVA gelling fiber, a foam dressing, and a two-layer wrap. We wanted to get the volume of the exudate down first. So 10 days in, the volume is, the wound is smaller, it's a little clearer. Cleaner. We sharply debrided her and then started on the mechanically powered and then continued that two layer wrap. We had already reduced the volume in her leg significantly. So this is four days later, the uh, wound bed is already improved. 11 days later, she went from three and a half to 0.2 centimeters of undermining in one small area. And then at five weeks, we were able to stop the mechanically powered system. We began to use collagen dressings in a foam dressing and then continue the two layer wrap until she was closed a month later and uh, she went back into her own compression stockings. And then I think this is my last case, but this just shows you again where this fits in and it brings back that whole Disney thing. This was a gentleman, this is the need to work, not just the desire, but he's a gentleman who has two small children. His wife does not work. He works two jobs, worked a shift at Walt Disney World, and then he worked at a convenience store, another shift per day. And so he had this deep ulcer that started as a trauma to his lower extremity. It wasn't very big in diameter, but it had some tracking and tunneling. And so we started the powered negative pressure device and it just wasn't doing well. You'll, you'll see on my next slide, but you know what wounds look like when we, when we use negative pressure. And so it just wasn't doing well. And so when we questioned him, are you wearing it? He said, well, I wear it when I'm at home but recall that he had two jobs. So it was not going to be effective if he was not using the, uh, the suction part of it, obviously. And so uh, we discontinued it. So let's look at his wound. So this is the day he presented to us. It was debrided. Um, and then not that day we had to order it. We started using negative pressure, the power system. And then this is two and a half weeks later. You can see it because of the darkness in there, it's a, it was a pretty deep wound. And uh, it, he, that's when we discontinued it because he simply could not wear the, the uh, device to his jobs. So at uh, five weeks later, he still was not filling in. So we started the mechanically powered. And by the way, we were of course compressing him. And so five weeks later, we started the mechanically powered. He was able to snake it up and put it into his costume uh, pocket at Disney and into his uh, clothing that he wore at the uh, convenience store. And then and four weeks later, he's down to just a little divot and we were able to discontinue it. And then this is his parting shot. This was the last day that we saw him. So in summary, you know, negative pressure is a wound therapy that is a modality that has a lot of science behind it, a lot of science. We know what we look for, the um, impact that it can have on a wound bed, uh, reducing peri-wound edema, some of the things that Chris already talked about, provides us good support for wound bed preparation, and it can change the trajectory of healing for our chronic wounds. And there are options now. There's all kinds of wound types, so we need all kinds of therapies for these folks. So it enables us as clinicians to develop a patient-centric treatment plan while still delivering the kind of therapy that we wanna use for these patients. So with that, I thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Chris, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you and I wish you well.